Welcome to episode 123 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Bryn Jackson. And I'm Brian Levin. This episode was our live episode at GitHub. We had a meetup. We hung out with a great panel of four guests. Some we've had before, some we've yet to have on the show, but... It was a ton of fun. A couple hundred people came and we got to meet a bunch of new people, a bunch of people that have listened to the show. So good to meet you. A bunch of people from the Slack team in real life. That was crazy. That was crazy. Thank you for coming. Thank you, everyone. Uh, We are so excited to do more. We learned a ton about how to to make these things fun, and we're going to keep working on more in the future. So keep posted on our Twitter, at DesignDetailsFM, or our Slack team. We'll definitely be having more shows here in San Francisco and maybe in other cities soon. That'd be fun. But before we get into the recording, we have two sponsors that made this episode possible. First up, as always, Dropbox. Woo! Dropbox made this whole thing possible. Seriously, okay. So we were at GitHub. Real talk. Right? We were at GitHub. Let's use specifics, okay? Sarah's recording this thing to her computer. By the time we got home... It was already fully downloaded on the Mac Pro and we got to play with it. Dropbox is an incredibly easy way to sync and store and secure and share all of your files across all of your devices. Uh, It works with any kind of file, anyone that you're working with in your organization at all times on any device. It's incredibly powerful, super easy to use, and it makes things like this show possible. Dropbox is working on really awesome collaboration tools, things like paper that make it great to work with coworkers, things like inline commenting on files, version history for your design mockups and source files so that nothing is ever lost, nothing can get screwed up and then be unrecoverable. Between sketch autosave and version control, I have both been terrified that I lost everything and been completely comforted that, oh, it's it's all saved. Every single version is in Dropbox and I can get it back and it's the best. Redundancy is a good thing in this case. Start syncing your files, keep them safe, secure, start working with everyone, everyone on your team, anyone that is working on files, you can send them huge files instantly with just a link across all of your devices. Ah, it's everything and it's so easy to use and we love it. To learn more, go to dropbox.com. Thank you so much to Dropbox. Our second sponsor, also, as always, I guess, uh, Wayno. Wayno is an agency that we love. They're so awesome. I was just over at the Wayno office on Friday. We did inspect with their team, which was amazing. I hung out with Carolyn and Anthony and Dan, and we got to critique some work and I got to hang out with Hallie beforehand. And God, they're just the best team. And they're so much fun to be around. And they're sponsoring the show because, well, first, they just want you to check them out. Like they don't really have an agenda. They kind of just want to support us. Uh, They're supporting what we're doing. And, you know, likewise, we want to support what they're doing, which is incredible work for killer clients. uh, Stuff that... (laughs) Stuff that is inspiring. Stuff that is creative and is pushing design forward. It's amazing. And they're hiring. You can be a part of that. You can join them. They're hiring product designers and they want you... Uh, reach out, go to their website. It's wayno.co, U-E-N-O dot C-O. First, just check out their work. Check out their dribble. It's really, really gorgeous stuff. And of course, if you're looking for a change of scenery, click the careers link in their header. Tell them we sent you. Uh, We are huge fans of what they're doing and they're building an amazing team. We can't recommend it enough. So thank you so much to Wayno and team for sponsoring this podcast. And with that, let's get into episode 123, live at GitHub. Let's get started. Uh, first of all, thank you all for coming. This is our first live event in San Francisco. So thank you. 
so yeah, fun fact, Bryn and I actually met here for the first time about a year ago at a meetup similar to this. That sounds right. Uh, Bryn was pitching some startup idea to Mark and Mark Otto. And with that guy in the glasses in the corner up there. With, with Mr. Michael Schultz over here. And uh, Bryn and I didn't, we didn't really click, uh, but we, we kept in touch. And then it was about four or five months later, we ended up uh, talking about a podcast. What would that look like? How could we do something in design? And so we started. That was also Michael's fault because I ran into you two at lunch. Yes. So anyways, we've done live shows before. We did one in Hawaii. We've done one in New York. This is our first one in San Francisco. And we're super, super excited because we want to do more. So thank you all for coming. It's very encouraging. Uh, can we give it up to GitHub for this really awesome space? Yeah, this is rad as hell. I feel like I shouldn't swear in front of your parents. Uh, my parents are here, so... <laughs> Shout out parents, right? <laughs> Way to copy Pulselli. <laughs> Shout out mom. Uh, any, any other announcements? Tomorrow is the one-year anniversary of our network. Ah, That'll be cool. Network, yes. Quick, quick show of hands. Who has never listened to an episode of Design Details? Oh, rad. Wait, not listen to it. Okay, okay. Everyone's still like... <laughs> okay. Uh, so a few new people. Uh, yeah, we started about a year and a half ago wanting to interview our favorite designers. Uh, it was a bit of a selfish excuse to meet people that we looked up to, people that were making products that we love to use. And something clicked, and we ended up having... Uh, I guess this is going to be episode 125-ish. That sounds right. Really amazing conversations with designers here in San Francisco, and when people from around the country and world fly in, uh, we get to chat with them. So thank you to everyone who has listened before. And if you haven't, we hope you enjoy a live show uh, with a panel. So one of the things that led us to create this thing was acquiring mentorship. And we kind of cheated in doing it by being like, hey, come on our show. Well, we immediately got some listenership, which was really awesome. So we kind of got a cheat code into getting mentorship. And so we wanted to talk a lot about mentorship tonight. That's been a big topic for us and it keeps coming up. We just had a conversation recently on Twitter with Carolyn and uh, Christy Tillman and Josh Taylor somewhere in the crowd that kind of took off uh, more than we expected. And it kind of made us think that we have a lot more to talk about, especially with education versus mentorship, education in combination with mentorship, things like that. So the group here tonight has a very diverse set of uh, education and mentorship experiences. And so we wanted to kind of uh, discuss that at a broader scale. And we've had two of them on the show before, Mo and Diana. So maybe you've heard their, their voices. And Carolyn was on Inspect With Me today. We live streamed some critique. That was super fun. Let's dig in. Uh, we always start our episodes by letting our guests introduce themselves. But uh, tonight we'll tweak it just a little bit. And we want to know from each of you, how you got here as a designer, how you ended up on this stage in front of a bunch of people. Don't say Brian emailed you. <laughs> I was just gonna say that, you stole. Um, so my, my name is Maurice Woods and uh, I you know, have sort of this, this weird trajectory into design and, and, and how I got here. Um, I was originally supposed to be in the NBA and, and playing basketball and, and retired by now. 
you know, the, the pathway of life has sort of uh, uh, fulfilled my fate for me. And I went and played basketball in Europe for about uh, seven years and then came back to the States. I got an undergraduate degree in design and then I got a master's degree in design and uh, worked for, you know, an ad agency, um, Butler, Shine, Stern and Partners. And then I worked um, at a design agency, Pentagram Design, for a number of years. And then uh, I, uh, you know, worked for myself uh, for a number of years. And then I ended up working at Yahoo. And... Um, a lot of the reasons why I think that, uh, you know, this topic resonates with me is because I started a program called Interact Project, which is to teach uh, young kids about careers in design. I've been doing that now for about 12 years. And um, my goal is that I want to make sure that um, all kids from all backgrounds um, have an equal educational opportunity and and access to design careers. I myself was an inner city kid. I, I grew up in Richmond, California, and you know I see a lot of disparity there. And I wanted to be able to um, bring design to young people so that you know at a very young age they're able to learn about careers in design if they have those creative interests and be able to do something with it. Um, I was lucky enough to be. Uh, 610 and and be athletic and be able to get a scholarship and I know there's a lot of other kids out there that don't have that and um, that's how I discovered design it's like my road was sort of set for me and uh, I want to make sure that young people that don't have that opportunity to go to college or may not be able to to get somewhere where they can be exposed to to other professions that they get at a very young age so that's that's sort of my, my trajectory for being here, I guess. That's quite an intro to follow. <laughs> um, I'm Diana. Um, I'm a product designer um, at GitHub and um, the lead for the design systems team most recently. Um, I didn't go to, to uh, university for this stuff. I uh, actually dropped out of college and thankfully uh, my auntie who was working at a university talked to me about um, a an apprenticeship program um, that they did and uh, one of the openings was in a a design and print studio and so that was my introduction to design is uh, kind of learning more on the job um, and uh, doing more of a vocational qualification there and I was lucky enough to have a great mentor there and from there I discovered um, the internet and the web and I was like that looks pretty cool. Um, and <laughs> The internet, pretty cool. I was like, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, I, that was starting off in the UK. And I then ended up uh, doing some design courses in London and found out that apparently there were lots of uh, jobs in design in Australia. So I went backpacking to Australia and uh, landed myself a job, lived there for eight years, and I worked in government for quite a long time and then moved into agencies. And uh, there was times in government I didn't really have any mentors and and really I learned from going to things like meetups like this. And so I started to set up my own meetups and networks for people in government as my way of like 
trying to create that um, scene for those people. And uh, yeah, moved on into agency world, had some really great mentors in terms of UX and design facilitation. And then I, I watched the social network, heard about America, thought maybe, <laughs> yeah, that's a kind Best representation of America ever. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, I think, one of the things I did with going to Australia and going to uh, going to the States is like finding opportunities and um, seizing opportunities. I, I've definitely been someone that um, I'd rather just uh, take an opportunity, uh, take a chance than regret not ever trying that thing. And so I heard out about a hackathon in, in the States and did that. And that's how I ended up landing a job over here. And uh, yeah, worked for a couple of startups and then I found myself at Etsy, again, really through an opportunity tweeting people which is um, where we met you yeah yeah twitter <laughs> she and set up our whole thing. first meetup it was amazing <laughs> uh there was some other helpers <laughs> but that was yeah that was awesome and i ended up becoming someone that uh helped onboard the new designers at etsy and so uh that's i guess one of my connections to mentorship is that i i had to learn how to teach um that's also kind of what led me, I think, to GitHub is I was also teaching a lot about how to code, how to get, how, how to get. <laughs> Gateway um, drug. <laughs> um, also working a lot in style guides, which is, to me is one of the tools that helps empower designers to code. Uh, and that's how I ended up at GitHub and uh, now working on uh, things like design systems to hopefully make the design workflow easier. That's Perfect. it. <laughs> Carolyn? Hi, everyone. I'm Carolyn Zong. Uh, thank you for having me here today. I work as a designer at Ueno, which is this small product design or design agency in San Francisco. And before that, well, let's see how I got here. I studied computer science in college. I went a small to, college. <laughs> I went to MIT. There was no design school there. I think there were a couple of design classes, but I tried them out and everyone who was taking those classes was just taking it for the EZA. Um, you know, I didn't learn... Sick burn early on, all right. <laughs> I, I didn't learn uh, design in a formal setting at all. But, uh, you know, I always was interested in what designers did, but I didn't think that I would be good enough to actually do that for a living. I thought I had to go to design school. So I tried out a bunch of internships in different areas like research and software engineering and product management. Uh, I'd really hoped that product management would work out since it seemed like a nice blend of product thinking and a CS background. I realized that the realities of new grad or intern product management was just sending emails to people and like scheduling meetings and taking notes. And I wasn't directly producing any work, uh, which is just the most frustrating thing in the world for me. So after trying all these different jobs, these different internships out, I just decided, you know what, fuck it. I'm just going to give design a shot. So I um, landed my first design internship after, uh, right after graduation at Square, and I was fortunate enough to have a really great mentor, uh, Jacob Burlow, by the way, shout out to him, <laughs> who, 
who taught me, uh, you know, pretty much everything I needed to know about working in industry. And after that, I just freelanced for a bit. I felt kind of like FOMO about all the different design positions that I didn't get to try out. So I uh, freelanced, worked with a bunch of different teams, and all the time while looking for like that just right job position. I was like Goldilocks. It was impossible to <laughs> please. One day, this guy I'd been following on Twitter, Haralder Thorleifsen, tweeted that he was searching for designers to hire, and I emailed him immediately. I was like, I love your work. Please let me work for you in any capacity. So, yeah, he... If um, any of you have met Ali, <laughs> that's kind of how it is. Like, just let me work for you in any way. Yeah. And, He's yeah. amazing. Yeah, so we um, did a brief contracting period, offered me a full-time position after a week, and I've been with Ueno ever since. And that's how I got here. I'm Heather Phillips. I always knew I had an interest in design, but didn't quite know what that would mean or how it would manifest itself. And um, when I was deciding where I wanted to go to school, um, was kind of weighing options and decided to attend a liberal arts school in Southern California called Occidental College. And I chose it because they had a reciprocal program with the Art Center College of Design. So I knew, you know, I could get this broader education, but then still have this option to to study design. Um, so I did that and finished and started working for a small studio in Southern California. And um, all the while was, you know, small studio wearing lots of hats, but it was a sole proprietor. He had started this studio. Um, we did a lot of work with the entertainment industry, um, doing a lot of actual visual development for um, feature length animated films. So different than what I thought I had wanted to do, but still related to design. Um, but realized I was hitting a ceiling really quickly with only working with, you know, maximum one or two other people day to day. And was looking for something more. And the founder of the studio had gone to the Rhode Island School of Design. And for the two summers that I was there, we had kind of like a fleet of interns come in. And I was hearing about their experiences and thought like, oh man, I really, I really fucked up. I should have gone to like a school like this. I didn't even know it existed. Um, and so realized through a conversation with my boss at the time that it, it wasn't too late. I could still do that. And so I was looking into graduate programs. Um, when I was looking to level up, school seemed like a really, uh, a really straightforward way to get to the next level. So I looked into graduate programs and applied to some of the best, best programs for graphic design, which uh, was what it was called back then, and got into the program at RISD, which was really exciting and uh, completed their master's program in graphic design, uh, moved back to the Bay Area, and started trying to figure out where I wanted to land and had a project lined up with Chronicle Books, which is in the neighborhood here, and started working with them and realized that it wasn't exactly the type of work I wanted to be doing and reached out to Joe Gebbia at the time who had done this fellowship with Chronicle Books, who had gone to RISD, and I thought, like, oh, we have all these things in common. Like, he'll know. 
Um, and it was really, we had, we knew people in common, but for, it was more or less a cold email and he replied and I talked to him about what I was looking to do longer term. And it was a really pivotal conversation because he suggested doing some freelance work with Airbnb and introduced me to a bunch of companies that were currently in Y Combinator and needing design help. And that was a really pivotal moment. And that kind of sent me on this trajectory working in tech and working with startups. Um, following that, I spent about two years working for um, Yammer and then joined another startup called Relate IQ. And following that experience, was looking for something a little bit different and reached out to Designer Fund, which is where I am today, and talked to them about what I was looking to do next. Um, and that conversation kind of evolved into me approaching them and saying that I thought that their audience and the problems they were trying to solve that there were, I had some ideas about how they could be um, approaching that in a different way and some opportunities and essentially pitched them on me working with them. And uh, that's where, where I still am today. So kind of looking when I was just thinking up here about the trajectory, I think it was a handful of like just ballsy emails that, that ended up being like really pivotal moments that didn't even seem that way necessarily at the time, but it's really easy to look back and kind of see that journey. Awesome. Uh, now that we've gotten through intros, I just want to let everyone know at the end, we're going to do audience questions. So if you want to start thinking about something, we'll leave a few minutes at the end. Uh, disclaimer. So something that's been on my mind quite a bit, I've talked with Bryn about it. I see it over and over on, on Twitter, happening in blog posts, is how to get newer, younger, talented designers who might be missing a bit of experience into the door at great companies like Wayno and Designer Fund and GitHub and Microsoft. And it's really, really hard to do. Uh, there's usually a requirement for three to five years of experience. People are starting to look for more and more senior people. So my question for the four of you is, what can companies start doing? How can designers within companies start thinking so that we can give junior designers that are talented and promising and showing a lot of potential a chance at these jobs that are asking for three to five years of experience? How do you get your foot in the door? That's the question. Do you, do you want us to go in order? Or There's no go? order to this. There's disorder. Have you heard the show? We don't do order. You know, I've been at Yahoo for uh, a bunch of years and I'm moving on to Microsoft now. But I, I think what I try to do is, and, and what I see that, you know, Yahoo was doing and other companies like Yahoo are doing is that they're starting to visit colleges a lot more and uh, participate in career fairs. And I, I've seen, I'm, I'm sort of seeing that as a trend. I know Facebook does some things like that. Uh, Yahoo definitely does some things like that too. But for designers that are, are trying to get their, their start, I, I think one of the most important things that you need to be as a young designer is you need to be tenacious, tenacious um, because once you start working in the business and you get busy, you get distracted by a lot of things. I mean, even not even being you know, a, a professional, being in a job, you get distracted very easy. And as a young designer, you just got to know that in order to get anywhere in life, in order to be able to move forward and, and get some sort of uh, uh, push towards getting the job you want, you have to constantly, constantly 
be not only working on your craft and getting better, but putting yourself in an opportunity to get in front of people. And a lot of that is participating in like, like career fairs. When I was uh, done playing basketball and I moved back down here in, in 2000, I literally like no joke at all. I literally like created a portfolio and drove to literally every design firm in San Francisco. No lie. Like crazy stuff. And you should have seen people's faces. Like they, they see a tall black guy walking into the office and dropping off stuff. They're just kind of like, what the hell is going on? But, you know, now that I think about it, it was the best thing I could have did because uh, being proactive and, and, and not waiting for opportunities to come to me, but actually trying to seize the moment and actually being proactive about actually going places, dropping off my portfolio has actually led me to get a position. Because what happened was is that although I went to all these design firms all across San Francisco and, and majority of them said no, I had a few that said yes. And, you know, I didn't get offered the job right away, but what happened was is that they were very encouraging to say, what you were doing is really good, stay in touch with me. And so I continued doing that. And then after a course of time, you know, it's like when opportunities arise and they do arise or if... You know, I'm talking, and I do this all the time. It's like I'll, I'll be talking to the other folks that are hiring in the business, and if I know somebody's looking and you just so happenedly have contacted me or talked to me about it or emailed me and I'm on, you're on my mind, then it's very easy for me to refer you to someone else. So I would say definitely um, tenacity is, is, is extremely important. Um, now, with tenacity, you have to be prepared too, right? You can't come into a position and, and be tenacious and not be prepared and ready for your opportunity. So I, I think there's a lot of things that, that young designers can do. And I think part of that is just really just being fearless and, and being proactive about, you know, um, getting your, your work in front of uh, as many people as possible. But I'm curious when that happens. So the, that gets your foot in the door, right? And then you get in. How I, how do you not suck? How can companies create an environment where people in that position, they've gotten their foot in the door, can actually be successful, can have the time and the breathing room and the guidance from people more senior than them to actually learn and become a self-sustained designer, a senior designer? This is to all everyone. Again, disorder. I'll, I'll have a go. Um so I, I definitely thought a lot about this um, at Etsy when I was onboarding uh, designers um, and they were of different levels. And I've had some good conversations with uh, uh, newer designers at GitHub too. I think um, one of the things that I found really important um, when, when they had like just arrived at the company is to sit down and talk uh, with a new designer about like where do they feel they're at with their skills? Like what are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? And their perception of that may or may not be what you think, but um, start off there. And that would help me build um, an onboarding experience that helped them get exposed to the things that they most needed to get exposed to and also pass that information on to their manager and also look for other opportunities where they could level up those skills. That was like really important. So like someone might start, maybe they're, they're completely fine on the coding side and UI side, but they um, really want to improve um, their workshopping skills and know how to lead a room. 
So I would look for opportunities where there were sessions happening that I was running or other designers where they could attend those sessions and, and uh, learn and have some coaching perhaps. So I think, yeah, really just like from when they start, like where, where are they at and like look for those opportunities. Going a little bit back to what you were just talking about, um, I think it's, it's actually, I was talking to Mark Otto, uh, head of design at GitHub, hi. <laughs> um, we, we were talking the other day about like how do we look at junior designers just coming into the industry? How do we evaluate them and assess them compared to how we look at more experienced designers? And that, you know what, I don't know the, the exact answer to that. It's really hard. But I thought back to like when I was more junior and like how I, I was like fortunate, fortunate enough to get some foot, a foot in the door at a, a place where I hadn't really been practicing visual design for a while. And some of the things that they did to help assess where I was at was, you know, working through some exercises, doing some sketching activities and seeing what my thought process was because there's a lot of stuff that you you can learn but you have to have some sort of like uh you have to have the enthusiasm you have to have yeah like the tenacity you have to have the desire to like want to further yourself um and you can get that out of of sort of talking with someone a lot and doing running through some exercises some some designers have reached out to me on the spec network since i've, I've joined them um sick and, shout out <laughs> and I, I do try and make myself available to like help people um, and and the people that I really like to talk to who are, are people that are already trying to like show their enthusiasm, teaching themselves things, building their own portfolio. I am much more interested in, you know, helping those people who are just like getting as far as they can on their own. And as, an, as someone that's looking for people to hire, it's kind of like if you're going to another country where you, they, you don't speak the language, if you try and make an effort to learn the basics, you really appreciate that gesture and you feel more, uh, you have more desire to like give something back to them and help them. So I guess that's like kind of my advice to newer designers. So Caroline, I'd, I'd be curious from your perspective as well, uh, being the first designer hire at Wayno, what was what was that experience like, and how was Wayno an agency set up to give you room? Uh, yeah, so one of the big things that actually drew me to Wayno was the fact that there was no existing hierarchy in place, other than the fact that Hallie was there. Um, I had always I've always thought that it's much harder to level up within an org where there's already a lot of you know levels above you and more people are judging your advancement uh, rather than just being in you know a small team where everyone is much more comfortable with each other and there's less layers of bureaucracy to rise up through. Within Ueno, it's a pretty flat structure. We have a rough idea of everyone's background and skill set, but we don't let our knowledge of like where they come from hold them back from their uh, potential advancement. I guess we give everyone a chance to like trying new and different things that they want to work on. Is there a formalized structure to that, or is it just whoever has the initiative gets the opportunity to learn and pretty much. Yeah, like I had never interviewed people for a job before. So a couple of months ago, I told Hallie, hey, I want to handle intern interviews. And he was like, sure. And now I know how to interview people. 
And that's really it. It's you have to go and reach out for those opportunities that you want. People won't plan your advancement because there are no managers. It's just like you go out and plan your own path. If that makes sense. Makes sense. And Heather, I'm especially curious because you have such a broad experience across many, many companies. What have you seen that's working? What's successful? How are designers getting onboarded and introduced into new cultures in a good way? Yeah, that's a good question. I think when there's a lot, the, I think what we're seeing a lot with Designer Fund, and I, I unfortunately have had this experience at a lot of early stage companies, is you don't have the resources to support the designers, even if it's the way you you want to and the way that you you think will will uh, set them up for success. A lot of times you're moving really fast. You may not even have the people on the team to help support them. And that's what we see a lot of time with some early stage companies that we partner with at Designer Fund. Um, and that's why I think, you know, it's in part, we have our bridge program and that's a way that we can have this partnership. And then the designers that, you know, we're basically, they're not having to support them in that way in house. And then they're still getting that support. I think that a lot of times that just comes with scale. And so if you work, you know, if you're getting onboarded at Facebook, you have like a really thorough onboarding process and you're learning all the processes and you have various trainings at your disposal and, you know, things are yours for the taking. Whereas I think in an earlier stage uh, startup or even just a smaller shop of any kind, it's really on you to try to seek out those opportunities. And sometimes you are seeking out external mentors or you're coming to your manager and saying, I'd really love to do this course or go to this conference. And so I think it takes a lot more initiative. You know, if it's anything, I would say there's a lot of companies that know what they would want to do for their design team in an ideal world and that their company is just not set up for that. And a lot of times it's just they don't have the time or the resources to dedicate to that. And that's also why they're not hiring younger designers because they're really risk averse. They, they feel like they can't set up the designer for success and they, they know that won't be the best environment for them. And then in addition to that, they, they need someone who can just come in the door and execute. Like they, they, don't, they don't have the time to train someone. Well, especially startups need something like a generalist that knows how to execute yep. on a lot of things at once. Yep. But that's what I want to know more about because there is a risk aversion to hiring a junior designer or a younger designer. And I think I get it. I understand why that happens. Um, how can companies not be less risk averse but how do you how do you flip that question on its head to be not this person's a risk but this person is potentially the next mo woods potentially the next broccolini right how do you how do you make that question a, a potential broccolini thing? yeah excellent <laughs> broccolini is is diana's from our perspective i mean uh, being at yahoo i've seen different levels we have what's called a design associates program and associates are basically college students that come in or students that are done with school and they were sort of trying them out. And uh, the way the way this process works is, is they generally pair up an associate with a more senior designer and they get assigned their own project. They get thrown into the, like the mix of stuff, you know, and they start working, but they're paired up with another more senior designer who will 
review their work and give them feedback along the way. But still, as a young designer, you have to be someone who is a go-getter to a certain degree because, you know, the designers are busy. You know, we, we got stuff we're doing and we have deadlines and everything we have to meet. So we're looking for people that are go-getters that know that, that, that we know that once we tell them, look, this is what you need to do, they can go out there and actually execute it. And also as part of the, the associates program, you know, we try to do whatever we can in the time that we have by having, you know, like I said, pairing up with a senior designer. We have events, bonding events, where we'll go out and hang out with each other. We also have, like, uh, some social events where we'll have speakers come in and, and talk about their craft. So there's some support there. But when it gets down to the crux of actually doing the work, it becomes more or less how motivated is that young designer to actually learn and get better? And I think most of the people, I know particularly at, at Yahoo, we respond better to the young associates that are actually more uh, uh, assertive in trying to do things on their own, learn, and become better. So you mentioned pairing people up with an older designer. How do you approach critique with those younger designers who often don't have experience with it? I would imagine that designers come in and have some experience with critique, right? Okay. So these are these these people have had a little time with design teams. Well, uh, are you talking about the the more senior designers or the young designers? The coming associates. In? I mean, yeah. a lot of people we hear from their younger designers have never worked with a design team at all before. They they haven't experienced what a critique is like. So when associate designers come in, we come in with the association that they've, I mean, if they're a designer, I mean, critique is part of the process of being a designer, right? It's like, if you, if you don't have any experience with critique, then there's, there's nothing really we can prepare. I mean, it's, it's not our job to prepare them for that. It's our job to give them feedback and them to synthesize that feedback and use that feedback to do a better job to get better, to understand uh, why we're, we're giving the feedback that we're giving them and improve themselves. That's our job. So there's a cutoff point, right? It's like we can only do so much. And so we get to the point where we're like, okay, we can bring you in, but once, once you come in there and you step in the lion's den, you got to be ready because there's a lot of other people that want to be there and you get the opportunity we, you know, we just don't have time because we're moving fast. So when the work goes up, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a clean slate. People are going to say what they want to say about it. You got to be able to synthesize it. You got to be able to deal with it. You got to be able to move on and get better. I mean, that's, that's pretty much it. I mean, I know from my experience. That's exactly that the, question, the answer I was looking for, honestly. So. Fishing for answers, Bryn. Uh, you might have been leading. But it seems to me, based on what I'm hearing, is it's a mix of, at least for some of you, a mix of formal and informal. So I wonder how, from each of your experience, how this mix of formality or informality or whichever one you prefer has sort of transferred into mentorship, uh, which I think might be, let's talk outside of the workplace, mentorship outside of the workplace. You know, a lot of people here need and want mentors. I need and want mentors. It's a good thing for everyone to have. Yeah, you do. Thank you, buddy. 
but finding them is hard and it's scary to ask someone, will you be a mentor? That's a very formal way to ask it, right? Uh, I'd be curious how the four of you have sort of approached that over your years, finding mentors and then as you've sort of grown, becoming one, how you can be successful at, at building those relationships. I can go. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's a big question. Um, there's been many forms in which I feel like I've received mentorship outside of the outside of a role and also tried to give back. And I think I mentioned, I think, in my intro, like when I was in Sydney, I started going to, to meetups with other other web developers and designers and I happened to make friends with some people and um, I just learned so much from some of those conversations um, and one of the events that they had which I think like anyone can run and they, they do happen here is this event called Jelly it's like a it's called it's, it's a real thing everyone always looks at me like I'm crazy there's a there's a thing called Jelly it's a work together time and um, some friends of mine in Sydney set this up where they had a big enough house where they would be like, come over. Yeah. Later on when they had like more of a studio, like an actual workplace, they invited people over. Like uh, Thoughtbutt are running them in New York. There's, there's a bunch of companies running them. And the idea is really you just go and work with other people. In, uh, you don't have to work on the same thing. You're just being around them. But ad hoc conversations happen if you got something you want feedback on, you can be like, hey, uh, does anyone have a few minutes? And I started going to those. And this was when I was in government and I was the only designer of any kind. <laughs> and, um, and that was how I started to uh, level up a bit. One of the main things is just knowing that these th other things exist and there's other ways to approach these problems and these other technologies out there. And... I, because I experienced that myself, then I wanted to give that back. And I said, as I mentioned earlier, I set up the same thing, but for people in local government who were spread out or and isolated. Yeah, I feel, I feel like meetups, setting up those opportunities where ad hoc conversations can happen is a really good form. Things like Slack and now becoming another way to talk with people and give feedback. Like when the spec channel was... A little bit smaller I would often on a Sunday morning open up Slack less people <laughs> less crazy uh, that, that is our biggest problem right now is that there's too many people and that's, yeah I'm very happy with that problem yeah it's, it's a good problem um, you just you just pick a channel or a topic that's happening but yeah I, I would I would like open up the channel and uh, on a Sunday and and then uh, see if there was an interesting discussion happening and see if I had any, any advice, advice to impart. And I would do that with the inspect channel a little bit as well because part of being like a, a senior designer is actually being good at giving critique and feedback. So it's actually a way for me to learn too. Um, I think things like inspect is, is really awesome because it's a really great opportunity for people who are working in silos. So if you don't mind, like, if I get back to that, like, um, what you were talking about, what can companies do? I think, so yeah, I, I related to, uh, to the fact that, yeah, companies might see it as a risk to hire junior designers, and some might feel like they can't set them up for success, but that's not the only way that they can help um, 
up-and-coming designers. Having events like this is one way. Um, maybe um, having holding like a workshop day, like we do things, uh, we do a patchwork thing around Git, like doing things like that. Have any of you been to the patchwork events? Woo! One. <laughs> They're amazing. Um, They're seriously great. I think I think there's like find the ways where you can like provide opportunities to mentor people. I, even speaking at things, being doing events is that's one, just broad right? scale mentorship. Yeah, yeah. So things don't have to be the biggest commitment. They don't have to be hiring a designer. There's lots of ways um, that companies can help um, designers at different levels. Carolyn, Heather, haven't heard from you both in a little while. How have you approached... Answer both at the same time. At try and talk time. over each other. Yeah, how, how have you approached uh, finding and then becoming a mentor in your experience? Uh, so I haven't had much success with those outside-of-work mentorship, meet someone up for coffee a couple times a year type of situation. Can I ask you a question quick? Are you asking like a will you be my mentor kind of thing? Oh, um, is, is it when, what's, what's the presentation? Oh, I guess uh, I've been through. I, I've uh, I was a part of like Kleiner Perkins's um, design fellows program. That's how I got my design internship at Square. And part of that program, they matched me with a very senior designer uh, to meet up with over uh, several dinners. And you know, uh, the person I was matched up with was. An incredible, incredible designer, but we just came from different backgrounds. And when I try to talk to senior designers outside of the context of work, it's actually not a very productive conversation because, you know, we're just too different. And the uh, advice, you know, advice decays quickly in general, and it's not broadly applicable. And it's been hard for me to find other designers who come from a CS background. Um, now, I think that I've reached a point where I'm comfortable operating in the absence of mentorship because uh, I've really taken the time to figure out who I am and you know, nobody else knows how exactly I work. Um, I think I'm like a little bit too weird for a lot of people to understand. Uh, so you know, I figured out the way that works best for me and I'm pretty comfortable like that. I also don't know that you necessarily need like the ultimate mentor, you know, that is matched with you perfectly. I think that you can piece together, um, you know, you were mentioning like written content and speaking engagements and conversations. Like I think um, it's a, a challenge to try to collect those things. And maybe when you find something that resonates with you, like seek out that. You don't that need person. a Yoda. Well, Yoda. Yeah, you don't just need a, like one oh, Yoda a, and then you're good. Yeah, the, the I ultimate. Like, I feel like my best mentor has been Google search. That's just how I found pretty much everything I needed. I mean, it's a lot of really generous designers writing up blog posts yeah. or tweeting about a bunch of stuff that I never even thought I would need to know. Uh, but that's pretty much how I learned like uh, a lot of <laughs> yeah, also I, shout out to the Design Details podcast because oh god, you can learn a providing lot incredible resources. Diana, you've done <laughs> enough shout outs. <laughs> I, I just I, I just want to say something. I, I think you know I, I spent a lot of time mentoring, you know, older designers even and, and kids and whatnot. And I think one of the most important things that you know um, is, is so true to life is that I, I think that. You should not be 
looking for a mentor that does the same thing that you do. So not specialization? Well, I, I think that, like, I'm a designer. It doesn't necessarily mean my mentor has to be a designer. And I think the, the, the reality of it is is that um, you actually learn more when you have people that are not as close to design as you are. And I think it's an opportunity for you to grow as an individual if you're able to learn from somebody from a different perspective who's doing something totally different than what you're doing. And I think part of, of you know, what I try to tell people all the time, because people come to me all the time, designers, and, and they want me to, you know, mentor them and all these. And I tend to send people to other people that have very diverse backgrounds because I think part of, you know, learning as a designer, I mean, we do this all the time. We, 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 we're very, op we, we take observations and we look at life in a very different way, I think, in terms of like, how it relates to you know uh, a project or or how does it relate to uh, my own life and, and and how do I see myself as a designer or whatever? But um, I've found like I've had very powerful mentors that are you know sports and, and I have mentors that are you know uh, uh, working in education and, and mentors that are in design too, mentors that are doing like cooking you know and i think what what it, what it does is is it provides me with you know an outlet to sort of look at myself and the things that i'm doing a little bit differently and um it's kind of refreshing uh you know it, it, i make a i make a joke all the time because you know it's like my, my wife she's total opposite for me you know it's like I, I i go home and you know it's like i'm talking about design and she just checked out she just was like Okay, Mo. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then she started talking. And then, you know, and, and the, the beauty behind it actually is, is that I never get so close and so bottled up with design that that becomes all that I think about all day. And I think that's my point. It's like with a mentor, you want a mentor is, is essentially someone there who can motivate you and that you can look up to and aspire to be like or someone who you can just talk to, you know? And I think that that doesn't necessarily mean to need to be a designer. It can be anybody outside, uh, outside of that world. Just to piggyback off Mo's answer, I 100% agree with um, seeking uh, lessons from outside of what is directly considered product design. Um, like, I learned how to take feedback on my work based on you know the systems and algorithms classes I took in school because in those classes you learn that there's always a better solution and you should just learn to accept the fact that your initial ideas are probably not going to work as well as some ideas that you come up with later on. It teaches you to distance yourself from your, uh, from your ideas and from your work. And, you know, uh, I've been learning more about animation recently, reading uh, Disney's The Illusion of Life. And in the, in the intro chapters of the book, they talk about how at the beginning, as uh, Disney was, like, working on improving animation as a craft, everyone realized that they had to draw from all these different disciplines, from illustration, graphic design, acting, theater, uh, film, in, into creating this whole new discipline. And, you know, that's kind of like what we're doing with product design now. We're just drawing from, you know, 
software engineering and graphic design and you know psychology to create this new profession. And so you know there's no need to look directly at other product designers. Look at tangentially related fields, like a completely unrelated fields like politics, which can still be massively helpful in helping you become a stronger designer. Heather, how does this how does this advice resonate with you? Um, so I think it's it's great. I think that a lot of people I have heard frequently people say, you know, I had trouble finding a mentor, or it, you know, I, I've given up, or it doesn't work for me. And I think the challenge that we're facing right now at Designer Fund, because I think we are, we have this extensive community of designers. A lot of them have opted in, which I think is a big part of it is like having people on both sides, the mentor and mentee are are opting into that relationship. I think um, that's what's going to keep it sustainable. And so um, like when you mentioned the, you know, Kleiner Perkins fellowship, like I think the challenge is how to formalize it enough to make that connection and know that both parties are, are willing and want to, you know, you have someone who wants to give back and someone that, um, you know, is looking for our inspiration and advice. And I think that trying to find a way to formalize that enough to make those connections, but then I, I think it is a little bit of trial and error. You're not going to find, you know, your Yoda off the bat. Like you, you're going to, you're going to talk to a lot of people. And I think what makes it um, like a lasting relationship is that both people are, you know, there's some intrinsic motivation there. And, um, and, and also just that you, you like the person and want to spend time with them and, and feel like they're able to give you valuable advice. So, um, and I think also it doesn't necessarily have to be someone that has already achieved ultimate success in your mind. I think there's really a lot to be learned from people, um, who may be your peers, um, as part of um, Designer Fund's bridge program, we match you with, um, what we call a guild member and the guild members are leaders in design, but they're also alumni who've gone through the program and can give advice. And I think we try to just match people together that we think have something to learn from one another. Um, and that sometimes is in unexpected places. So we're about 15 minutes out from the end. We like to open it up to questions at the end. Uh, a lot of that last section, I'm going to call someone out here. Um, I apologize. But um, we had a lot of answers of finding advice outside of the industry or outside of design specifically is really valuable. And right before this, Jemray mentioned that he has just switched to project management and has spent some time thinking about that now and seeing design from the outside. Uh, would you be open to talking to that for a minute? What do you want to hear? Tell me. So how do you look at design mentorship now when you're seeing like how it feels from the outside? Like what, what is the conversations you'd like to have with designers every day where you should get them to feel a different way? Hey, my name is Jemre. I'm, I'm a product manager at Facebook. I used to be a designer. Um, didn't get the pleasure to work with Brian yet, but um, hopefully one day. The interesting thing I observed when I made the switch is when I was a designer, I feel like I was very like PME. I cared a lot about like shipping things and executing and being lean, but I didn't care as much about the team goal. And the one thing I noticed is when you're a product manager, operationally, things and companies are set up in a way where the things that teams do bubble up to like orgs, bubble up to the whole company. And, you know, 
you want to make sure that all the work that's being done and produced, you know, bubbles up to the same goal. I feel like there's probably more of an opportunity for everyone in the product team, not only just the PM, but the engineers and the designers and the analysts, everyone to think about, like, is the thing that I'm doing right now contributing to the goal of the team, contributing to the goal of Facebook? Because it's not always immediately obvious whether, you know, the design that you're doing serves the same goal as what the product is trying to get to. So that, I think, was big, big learning for me. Okay. Yeah, I just thought that was a really unique perspective when you brought it up like literally right before the show. So I was like, yes, let's mention this. Yeah. Let, let's chat about that more some other day. I'm, I'm into it. <laughs> uh, anyone else have questions for these folks, etc.? cetera? Uh, Dan right. Petty. Still eating my pizza. Um, I don't have, really have a question, sorry. Was this Creed and A? Yeah. <laughs> you just jumped uh, in, all right, perfect. I just want to steal Brian's mic. Um, no, I just want to say that tomorrow is Spec Networks one year. I said that at the beginning. We're good. I know, I know, but I want to do something. Like, come on, like, can we give it up for these guys? Seriously. That's all I had. I just wanted to redo that. Sorry. Thanks for making it weird, uh, dude. How do you like working at Wayno? <laughs> uh, it's all right. This new guy, don't Dan, worry, your boss will listen to this like, later. Eh, I don't know about him. Yeah, we've got Mark some more. Otto. We've got some more Look at this guy. Questions. Some kind of professional. Thank you, Mark. You're welcome. And thank you too, Dan. <laughs> um, my question is uh, for the panel. Uh, I'm curious because what I heard is a little bit for critiques. You kind of throw them in the the lion's den and the wolf's den a little bit. I think that's true to an extent, and I'd be curious to hear what all four of you, your first critique was like when you were thrown into the lion's den. Was it good? Was it helpful? Or did you actually have guidance? Like, was there somebody there to say, all right, here's what's fucked about this whole situation, but I got your back when I'm in there? Or was it just like, hey, here's my stuff. And was it, was it good? Was it good feedback? Like, Maybe what is good feedback? I'd be curious to hear your, all your stories for your first critique. One question, Mark, not six. <laughs> Mark put this together. He gets extra questions. I can answer it. Um, I can tell you a story. When, when I first started working at a, a design agency years ago, I remember my first taste was I was working on a project for Nike. And I was working... Easy was, project, no problem. Yeah, exactly. So it was me and then a senior designer. We were supposed to work on a project. And then we were working in Photoshop, which, you know, when I was in, in college, we didn't really work that much in Photoshop. And basically, the first day I got there, you know, I was like basically just thrown in and it's like, look, we have uh, work that needs to be done by the end of the week. And I had literally like, you know, no time to really think about what I needed to do. I just had to do it. And the senior designer, kind of looked like what I was saying earlier, she was slammed because she was working on multiple projects, you know. So she couldn't really help me that much. So it was interesting because I think at that moment when I felt like I had to do something, I, I, I mean, you know, it's either do it or fail, right? And at that point, I literally just, you know, was able to sort of to start working on it, start 
put in the, putting together concepts, concepts right away. And uh, I remember at the end of the week, I was presenting it to Nike. And the funny thing that happened was is that, you know, in it, Nike ended up liking the work that I had did. And uh, I ended up from that standpoint on, like uh, starting to work on all the stuff by myself. And, and the point is, is that my experience, my first experience on being on the job was so unexpected. Like when, when I came on there, I had no clue that I was gonna be thrown into the situation. And my advice to all young designers, and the reason why I said what I said earlier was, is that you don't know what situation you're gonna be thrown in when you, when you get into a job. So you have to be prepared and you have to be ready to be self-sustaining. You got to be in, be be willing to get in a situation where you have to take control of your situation and actually do the work on your own. And I think that that's the best learning experience. Quite frankly, um, I've done various different extremes of that. I've been in a situation where I've thrown designers into the lion's den, so to speak. And I've also been in situations where I've actually nurtured designers through a longer period of time. And I've found that the ones that I put in there right away to do the work and learn the most, and they caught on quicker. And you would think that working with someone over a, over a length of time and working with them on a project and kind of working them through, that they would get it, right? They would like be like, oh, okay. And it's actually not the case. I've found it to be actually the opposite. The one that I've said, okay, this is what you got to do and you just got to get it done. It forces you as an individual to make decisions and live with those decisions and learn on your own. And I always feel, even with my program now, I always feel like with kids, it's the same way as a young designer going. You have to learn with context. You have to be able to be in a situation where you're forced to do things in a way where you're comfortable or you find your own comfort zone very early because then that leads to success, in my opinion. Okay, uh, so I have a lot of opinions about critique because that's actually what I did my master's thesis on. <laughs> um, what? So, yeah, it was about the process of critique. Um, but I Can think- Can you just read it to us? Yeah, it was, it was called Critique, Critique. Excellent, off to a good start. Uh, but I think that if you come from a design background, if you go to design school, that's like such a crucial part of the process. And that's, that's a, such a big learning. And so I think that as a design, when you're in, uh, an agency setting and you're amongst designers, that is very different than when you are representing design and presenting to other stakeholders, um, so I think that the biggest learning that you can come away with is how to, how to present your work, how to give necessary context and like really learn how to take control of that conversation. Um, and so I think that that's something that, you know, when you're presenting your work for the first time or you're in the lion's den, if you lose that control, like things can go terribly awry. And I think the other thing that is a big learning is not taking it personally. You know, you take, you think of your design as an extension of yourself. And when people are ripping it apart, it's, it's really easy to want to get defensive and not think about, um, you know, what is the, the overall goal of the project or like you were talking about earlier, like 
what is, you know, what does this roll up to actually and not being um, thinking about your own self-interest in the design itself. And, and then just, it's, it's an art form. I think like as you, as you do it more and you can anticipate what some of the, the feedback would be, um, there's nothing that feels more badass than being in a crit and having someone be like, did you think about this? And I was like, yes, I did. And here's what it looks like. And here are the three reasons why it doesn't work. Um, so just being able to be really prepared um, and go into a critique with confidence, I think is something that just comes with experience. Can we talk about the difference between getting defensive and explaining further? How, how do you measure that border? This is a very thin line, it feels like. I think exploring it further is actually asking the right questions. I mean, defending your design, if it, it, I think it's just a matter of when is it um, not personal. Like if you're, if you're asking exploratory questions and trying to further understand, um, you know, designing for the user, what's, it, what's at stake there, that's, uh, that's very different. And I think it actually has a lot to do with not getting emotional. Right, I want to add to that because I think that's a good point. I think also... When you're designing on stuff, you need to be very conscious of all the design decisions that you make. Uh, you have to be very conscious of the entire system and how every decision that you make as a designer on a page is going to affect, you know, the way somebody understands that content. And when you get to the point where you're thinking deeper about your design, you're thinking a little bit more on another level where you're thinking about not just the stuff that's in front of you, but how this affects everything else. It becomes a lot more easier in critiques and being able to explain why you made decisions. Because I find that like in any critique that I do of designers, I'm always asking, like, why did you make this decision? And, and what informs this decision? And how is this decision going to affect the user? And I, I know uh, the PMs that I work with, that are very business focused and very focused on the product and the user and making sure that the designs are connecting with the user are asking these questions because it affects, you know, it, it affects usage, it affects views, it affects so many different things. So I think um, if you are in a critique and you are, you are in a situation where you're, you're feeling like you're being drilled on, I think the proper approach of that is to really think about, like, did I do my homework? Did I really study every single thing that I put on this page? And do, can I explain it? And do I have a rationale for it? So, Yeah, uh, Mo kind of stole some of the stuff I was going to say. So Sorry. Sorry, right, I'll add on to it. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that I a pivotal moment for me um, in design was, like, uh, learning user-centric processes and informing design by research and so that then when I was uh, presenting work I did have the the reasons behind those decisions um, I think that's that's super important um, that also to me is something that I look for in other designers is why did you do that thing in that color and put that thing in that place there should be a reason for stuff at the same time, um, I think you know there's two sides to critique. There's the the person presenting, and there's the person giving the feedback. Um, I think it should be, yeah, it it can be hard, um, but it should be a discussion too. I think it's okay to say, shit, I didn't think about that thing. That's a really good question. Um, let me follow up on that. Like, you know, you're not gonna always think of everything. That's the point of having a critique session is to get insights from other people about things you hadn't thought about, right? 
So uh, it's, a, it's a two-way thing. It's okay if you didn't have an answer for everything, but answer that by saying, I'm going to follow up on that and find the answer, right? I think that's really important. I think confidence is also uh, a thing, but it's, yeah, you just, having confidence doesn't mean not accepting that you didn't know the answer to everything. Well, that's cockiness, right? <laughs> or that. Another form of critique that I had when I was like, I, I can't actually remember my first like time I had a critique in product design, but the first time I had critique in graphic design, my mentor uh, in the graphic design studio made me learn the Illustrator pen tool by tracing this really complex piece of artwork. And he would do things like that. And then it, there was like typography in it too as well. And I would like work on this thing, try and get it, right and like go up to him and he'd be like this is like almost but you haven't got this thing and he would explain the reason behind all that detail in the design <laughs> design details nailed it in one <laughs> um I think a, a way of learning from others is, yeah, copying, you know, uh, and then learning. You, you either discover the reasons why they made those choices in the design or, yeah, if you have someone that can help you, a mentor, then you, they can give you that feedback. But that's another way that I learned to, like, uh, I had mentorship, I guess, and, like, uh, learned the reasons behind some of the do, those design decisions. So, well, Carolyn, that's what you mentioned a lot of your mentorship has been is, like, watching Hallie do a thing and then copying what he did? Well, it's more about, uh, like, learning by example. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, like, you know, sometimes he would say something in a meeting with a client and be like, oh, that was good. I'm going to write it down. He doesn't know I do this. So <laughs> if he listens to this, he'll yeah. find out. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. uh, my first critique... So the first time I ever got feedback on my design work was during my internship at Square. And I actually don't think I did like a big critique with multiple designers. I always just worked very closely with my uh, mentor uh, throughout the whole internship. And at the beginning, there was a lot of hand-holding. You know, he'd portion out like a very small task, like put this checkbox here and I would do it. And he'd be like, that's good. Or like, that is two pixels off. <laughs> and um, eventually, I think, one project I showed in front of the entire design team, but at that point it had already been through the, you know, eagle eyes of so many <laughs> designers on the team individually that it wasn't such a big deal. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that it really helped for me at the beginning to not have that standard of, or not have the expectation of, oh, I have to get my work ready for a critique. Then it will be ready to be shown. Um, I was just like, oh, every you know, twice a day or once a day, I check in with this person and I show them half finished work and it's totally okay. And Helps you think through the things to finish it up later? Yeah. And, you know, I explain my thinking so far and my ideas that I'm going to work on. And, you know, I never thought of it as a crit session. It was just like, oh, just a brief check-in. And that helped a lot, I think. All right. Uh, since it's getting a little late, we're over an hour. I know a couple questions. Uh, Everyone can come up and chat to our amazing panel afterwards. Let's go grab drinks and hang out for a little bit. Again, thank you to GitHub. Uh, let's give them another round of applause. Thank you. Thank you so much to our panel. Round of applause. Thank you to Sarah over here, mixing and mastering like a pro. She does all of our shows. And thank you all for coming tonight. This and thank awesome. you to Brian for prioritizing beer over content. More beer that way. 
Oh, oh we've uh, got books and swipies and stuff. We've got a few books up here if anyone's interested in reading Randy Don't Hunt. take more markers, but try stuff. And we also have swipies, there's GitHub which t-shirts. is uh, the revolutionary way to prototype, sweeping the it's, nation. It's wet erase paper. They're dope as hell. All right. Thank you all. That was episode 123. Thank you so much to Diana, Mo, Carolyn, and Heather for coming to hang out with us. That was amazing. And thank you to everyone who came. That was huge. Thank you to everyone who's listened and made it possible for us to do that. Thank you to GitHub for hosting it and bringing us together in the first place, Brian. Thank you to everyone. Uh, The community is awesome. It was so good to meet so many of you. Thank you. More live shows in the future. And if you aren't ever able to come, we live streamed that one that night on Twitch. So we'll hopefully do that in the future. If you're not in San Francisco, you can still watch and see what we're up to. If you want to check that one out, twitch.tv slash specfm. You can go see it there. There's like an hour and a half of stuff. And there's a great playlist beforehand. There you go. So until the next live show, thank you. And be sure to check out our two sponsors that made this entire thing possible. Just on a theme of thank you. Thank you once again to Dropbox for sponsoring us. Dropbox is what makes it possible for us to put out the show in more than one way. Uh, We literally couldn't make the file syncing work across all the people and all the shows that we have on the network without it. So you should go check them out. They make it super, super easy to work with a bunch of people or by yourself across all your devices. So collaboration. Learn more at dropbox.com. And of course, thank you to Wayno for making this podcast possible. They're a team that we love. They want you to check out their work, see what they're up to, and ideally join them. Uh, They're hiring designers here in San Francisco and in New York. And you can learn more by going to wayno.co, U-E-N-O dot C-O. Check out their work, click the careers link in their header, and of course, tell them we sent you. Thank you so much to Wayno and Dropbox. We'll see you on Monday.